As you're having a seat, I'll ask you a question. You can just raise your hand if this applies to you. But uh, how many here in the place today, you've ever set a goal in your life? You ever set a goal? Yeah, a lot of hands have gone up. Like we set goals. You might not call it a goal. You might not call it a, a resolution. But uh, it might be an aspiration. It might be something that you just think about. I think, I think um, we get kind of a picture in our head of what the, the goals are and what our life is going to look like. It can start early. It can start in high school, like maybe high school graduation. We think to ourselves, you know what? Four years from now, I'm going to graduate college with honors, and I'm going to get a great job after college. This is my goal. That job's going to pay me six figures. That's my goal. That's what's going to happen. A year after that, I'm going to meet the, the man or woman of my dreams, my soulmate. They're going to love me. They're going to be funny. They're going to be hot. they got to be hot. They're going to be funny, and they're going to laugh at my jokes, and we're going to get along great. A year after that, we're going to have our first child. We're going to name, it's going to be a son, of course. We're going to have a boy first, and we're going to name him Liam. And then after Liam is born, 18 months later, we're going to have a daughter. She'll have blonde hair and blue eyes. This is the goal that we have. We're going to name her Francesca. Her friends will call her Chess. And uh, after that, it'll be awesome. See, from 30 to 65 years old then, we will live an incredible life. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to dream together and laugh together and love together. And then at 65 years old, we and my soulmate, we're going to retire. And we're going to be healthy, and we're going to travel the world and see the sights and do all the things that retired people love to do. And we're going to do that for the next 30 years until we're 95. And at 95 years old, we're going to curl up in bed one night, and we're going to hug each other, and we're going to tell each other we love each other, and we're going to pass away peacefully in our sleep together. This is the goal. This is the dream. But then something called life happens, okay? And then you wake up. And you realize that isn't the way it went. And you, you wake up and you realize uh, you're 42 years old and you're living in a van down by the river. Right? Some of you know that. Matt Foley is in the house. Um, we set goals. We have aspirations. But life happens. And this is what I think happens to a lot of us. We have these goals um, in our head. But then as life happens... And we don't have the kids the way we thought, or we don't have the marriage that we thought we were going to have, and life doesn't unfold the way we thought it would, pretty soon we start surviving. And we start just, I just need to get through the day. Like, my goal today, God, I just want to wake up and not kill the kids. Okay, that's my goal today. That becomes our goal. We're just trying to get by. But God's got something better for us. God's got something better. God created you to thrive. God created you not just to get by, but to truly thrive. And be honest with me, and if I'm honest with you, there are days I don't thrive. There are days I literally, I'm just surviving. But God's got something more. God has got something more. So I'm going to tell you something. In this series called Goals, what this isn't, first of all, is some seminar about how to set goals. Okay, if you want to learn how to set goals, you can Google that and you can find a lot of ways to do that. I'm going to, but, but you know what? Let me back up a second. Goals are important. You should have goals for your life. Personal goals, professional goals. That, that is crucial. And you should write them down. That, that's also very crucial, I'm finding out. They say that 3% of Americans write their goals down. 3% write goals down. Did you know that Harvard did a, did a study one year of their graduates? And of the Harvard graduates, they were true to that. 3% of the Harvard graduates wrote their goals down. But 10 years later, they went back and looked at their lives. And the 3% of Harvard graduates that wrote their goals down made 10 times more than the 97% who didn't. Right? Combined. Combined, they made more. See, some of you, you should be grabbing a pen right now thinking, oh, God, I'm going to write something down. Because God, you, if you write it, you're seven times more likely to do something if it's written down. Seven times more likely. This is why when God said, we're going to plant a church called Meadows, the first thing I did, I grabbed a pen and a piece of paper, and I said, all right, God, we need to know our goal. What is our mission as a church? 
And I would love to tell you just the Holy Spirit just flooded on my brain right away. And it took two minutes, but it didn't. It took time. We, I had to craft it because you wanted it short and memorable. And it had to kind of encompass who we are as a church. So it probably took two months to come up with one sentence that says, We as a church exist to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose. Say, I've got a purpose. You have a purpose. I hope you believe what you just said because you do have a purpose. And it's not just to drift in mediocrity, but it is to thrive. It is to, it is to, it is to go farther than what you can dream or imagine. That's what it is. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you today in God's word that you don't have to write some of the goals down that I'm going to give you because God wrote them down for you in his word. Like, I'm going to show you in God's word today specifically what some of your goals are in life or what they, what they should be. And when you wrap around these, you're going to see that when you go after these goals, other goals in your life, personally and professionally, they'll line up. It's amazing how God works. It is amazing how God works. We exist to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose. And three of the purposes or three goals that we have are in what's known as the Great Commission. These are words that Jesus spoke um, after he died on a cross and rose from the dead. He hung out for 40 days appearing to different groups of people all over the place. And right before Jesus went back up into heaven, literally rose up in the clouds after that, he, he gave a great commission. And this is what he said to all the disciples, to all of you, all of me. This is what Jesus said. It's Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. You don't need to go there. I'm going to give you a different scripture to go to in just a minute, but I need to set the tone. Jesus is speaking, and he says to the disciples, I've been given all authority, me, Jesus, over heaven and earth. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all the nations. Say go. go. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always. Even Jesus is with us today. Even until the end of the age. This is what he said. And in there I want to pull apart, I think it was verse 19, that says, go and make disciples. See, the title of today's message about goals is this. Goals starts with go. Say go. See, he said it again. Goals starts with go. Sometimes I think we have to wait. We're going to write it down, and then we're going to wait on the Lord. No, no, no. You write it down, and then you go. And when you step into what God has for you, you'll see these goals and dreams come to fruition. It's how it works. But I think we're guilty of waiting a little bit too much on the Lord when he says, all right, you know the goal. I've given you a goal. And what we're looking at is go and make disciples. And some of you are thinking, okay, so I'm supposed to, what your pastor, you're saying my goal is to make disciples. Okay, what does that even mean? What does that look like? I can't even get my husband to make the bed and you want me to make disciples? I mean, come on. What, is, what do you mean? Now, when I say make disciples, what I think of right away is evangelism. And when I think of evangelism, I think of televangelists. I don't know about you, but I do. And I think of a dude standing up here, and he's got huge hair, and he's really tan for some reason. I don't know why, but he is. And, he, and, he says, and when he says Jesus, he doesn't say Jesus, but he says Jesus, like that. Kind of Jesus. It's like four syllables? I don't understand, but whatever. So that's, or I think of the person that stands on the corner shouting about Jesus. Okay, now, and I'm not saying you can't do that, but I'm just saying if you do do that, for God's sakes, don't tell them you're with Meadows Church. Please don't tell, because that's weird, okay? That is weird, and you have no friends, okay? I'm just being honest with you. Stop that. Knock that off. So go and make disciples. What does that look like? I'm going to show you what it looks like. And it's not as, it's not as um, difficult as you think it is. It's not, see, the devil wants you to think it's going to require all kinds of courage and all kinds of getting weird and getting in people's face about your religion or about Jesus. It doesn't. Not at all. Should you invite people to church? Yes. 
Should you share your faith? Yes. But the reality is this. A lot of people don't. And I could beat you over the head and say, come on, invite more, share your faith. I'd rather show you what Jesus did. I'd rather show you what the king of kings, no one was better at making disciples than Jesus Christ. Nobody. Guess where he never started? I read scripture all the time. You know what I never see? Jesus never starts with, here's an invitation to church. I've never read it. Jesus never starts the conversation saying, well, let me tell you about me and what I did on the cross. He doesn't do that. You know where Jesus always started with people? Building a relationship. He just built a relationship with them. Like, he knew his ultimate goal. No one was more goal-driven than Jesus. But, but he didn't do it in some weird way. He loved people. So if we're going to carry out this, this great commission and we're supposed to make disciples, pastor, you're saying that should be a goal of mine, I'm going to show you how to do it in a way that it, it'll, it'll be so natural to you, I believe, because Jesus, this is the way he did it. And I'll give you the main point. We're not even to the main scripture yet. You can go, though, if you brought a Bible or a mobile device with a Bible app, go to John chapter 4, verse 4, okay? And I'll put it up on the screen, too. If you don't have the Bible or whatever, I'll put it up on the screen. But um, John 4, 4. And um, I'll get there in just a second. So John is one of Jesus' best friends. And he wrote one of the Gospels. The word gospel means good news. And there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell the story of Jesus' life. They're all good news. That's why they're called the gospel. And John is what we're looking at. It's the beginning of the New Testament. So the Old Testament is before Jesus came to earth. The New Testament is after Jesus was born as a baby and after, just so you know the difference, okay? So, but I want to give you the main point first, because this is what Jesus did. Jesus built intentional relationships. You know what they led to? Eternal results. When you build intentional relationships, intentional is a big word there. I'm going to show you that. Intentional relationships lead to eternal results, right? Not intentional, just inviting to church. Not intentional, I'm going to share about Jesus. Those aren't bad things, but it normally doesn't start there. Intentional relationships lead to eternal results. John 4, verse 4. Jesus is heading from Judea, this is a region down south, to Galilee, up north. And in verse 4, it says, Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way. Well, the reality is he didn't have to. I mean, he had to, but he didn't have to. So I, do we have a map? Do we have that map? This kind of shows you if we got this. So this map, you'll see Judea is down below. It's a region. Samaria is in the middle. And then Galilee is up top. So Judea is where Jerusalem is. Up top is Galilee. That's where Nazareth is. This is where Jesus grew up, right in this area. This is where Jesus grew up. So Jesus is heading to Galilee, but he's got to go through Samaria. But the reality is the arrow over to the right, that's where most people would go that were Jews. They did not go through Samaria. They would do everything to avoid Samaria. Why? Well, because racism's been around for a long time. Racism just didn't start 100 years ago or 200 years ago. It's been around for thousands of years. And there was racism going on. Samaritans were, were half-breeds. They were half-Jew and half-Gentile. A Gentile is just somebody that's not a Jew. Okay? Most of us here are Gentiles. If you're not Jewish faith, you're a Gentile. Say, I'm a Gentile. Yeah, you're a Gentile. You're not a Jew. You're a Gentile. Well, the Gentiles and the Jews got together, and then there were Samaritans. Well, the Jews thought they were, they were less than so the Jews thought, we want nothing to do with you, so we'll, go, we'll, we'll actually go the longer route to avoid you. But Jesus purposely went the middle route because Jesus, see, Galilee wasn't the goal for Jesus on this trip. The goal for Jesus was life change. 
That was always the goal for Jesus. It wasn't, well, I have to go here or here to this region. No, no, no. I've got to get with people. I've got to get intentional. And Jesus is showing us something here. That's why it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. You know why he had to go? Because that's where his goal was. That's, that's where this woman was that he would meet. Verse 5. Eventually, Jesus came to a Samaritan village. We saw it on the map called Sychar or Sychar. So Sychar is near a field that Jacob gave to his son and son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus was tired because Jesus gave up his human rights to come to earth. He got tired. He got, he got weary. It said he was tired. He was weary. He, so he sat beside the well at noontime. At noontime, it would be very hot where Jesus was. Really warm. People didn't go get water at this time. They went in the morning when it was cool or at night when it was cool. They wouldn't go at noontime. You would never do that because it would be very, very hot. But Jesus was there because Jesus had a goal. So just check out what happens. Soon, verse 7, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Why would she come at noon? No one comes at noon. Well, the reason a Samaritan woman would come at noon is because she didn't want to see other people. The reality is this. She thought nobody else wanted to see her. See, a Samaritan, again, you already know that they're thought of as less than. They're half-breeds. They weren't, they weren't full Jewish. They weren't even full, full Gentile, but they were half of this and half of that. She was also a woman, which in this day and age, they were less than. They were lower on the totem pole. So she had these, and, and she also had a reputation, okay? She had three strikes going against her before she even got started. So she shows up at the well, and she shows up at noon because she didn't want to see anybody. And she, know, she, know, she knows no one wants to see her. Let's keep going. Soon the Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus says to the woman... In other words, Jesus initiates a conversation. Please give me a drink, he says. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village for some food. The woman was surprised, and rightly so. Again, this is not normal. A prominent Jewish teacher is speaking to a, 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 a Samaritan woman? This is not normal. But the, and the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans, just like I told you. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Why would you be talking to me right now? She was blown away. Probably freaked out thinking, what is he doing? He said, you know, he's, something's up here. This isn't normal. But what we're learning here really quickly about a man named Jesus and this woman who we don't even know her name, we're learning something about Jesus. We're learning that Jesus cared about the people that nobody else cared about. Okay, Jesus cared about the people that no one else cared about. See, this, so I've got good news for somebody in this place who you walked in here today thinking nobody really cares about what I'm going through or about who I am or just my, my life doesn't even matter to anybody or, or there is no hope for me. I'm telling you there's good news because Jesus does care about you. There is hope for you and Jesus actually came for you. He did. So Jesus cared about the people that no one else cared about. So let's keep going. Uh, verse 10, Jesus says, and I love this verse. This is incredible. Look at the love in this verse from Jesus to this woman. If you only knew the gift God has for you, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to right now, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Now, Jesus says this, but she's, again, she's not thinking along these lines of living water. She don't know what that means. The next verse proves that. She says, but sir, I love this. She's, she don't get it. That's okay. We don't get it a lot either. So you don't have a rope or a bucket. She says, how can you? This well is deep. Where would you get this living water you speak of? And besides, what do you think? You're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? 
She's focused on the temporal. She's focused on her needs, and I get that. She's thirsty. She's hurting. She's hot. But Jesus is showing her something, that he offers something better than even what she's wanting. Jesus is trying to show her that, that, that he wants to not only meet her needs, but exceed them with, with, with the only way that Jesus can. So Jesus, he's so patient with her, too. He doesn't get upset at her. He's like, oh, you don't get this. You, you, you're so dumb. Jesus is so loving. And he speaks more life into this woman. Jesus replied, listen, anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. You drink from the well, you're going to need it again and again and again. But listen, but those who drink the water I give will never thirst again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. He's got her attention now. She's like, oh my gosh, that sounds incredible. And she says, please, sir, give me this water. I'll never, have to, I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come get more water. So she's kind of getting it, but kind of not. Like, it sounds really good what you're offering me, but then I won't have to come here anymore. And Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to shift the conversation a little bit. Say shift. He's going to shift the conversation to help her understand her need. She doesn't see her greatest need. She sees that she's thirsty. Jesus says, you, you, have, so, you have such a deeper need, and you don't even see it, and I want to meet it. We're going to have these opportunities, I promise you, in the life that we live out here in our area. You're going to see how this applies. So Jesus speaks to this woman again, and he shifts the conversation. And he says, go and get your husband. Now that's shifting the conversation. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you know, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands. And you're not married to the man that you're living with now. So you've spoken the truth. So Jesus isn't trying to like be, be, be mean to her. Jesus is pointing out, I know, what, I know where you've been. I, see, I know what you've done. And Jesus is showing her, and, and that, now she's going to start to feel conviction. Like, oh man, oh God, this guy's on to me. He knows my reputation. He knows where I've been. He knows the sites I've been to. He knows the men I've dated. You know, he knows these things. So Jesus is showing, I, I know. I know more about you than you think I do. And I still love you. And I still love you. And I still love you. And Jesus says, um, you've certainly spoken the truth. And she says in verse 19, sir, you must be a prophet. Like, like prophets hear from God. How do you know these things about me? You must be a prophet. Now, the next few verses, she asks questions. She, she almost tries to divert the conversation. It's getting personal now. Dude's talking about my ex-husbands. He's talking about my life. He's talking about my business. And she tries to divert the, uh, um, the conversation a little bit. And she talks about, well, why do the Jews worship here? And why do the Samaritans worship here? And Jesus loves her during the conversation. He answers her questions, talking about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And they get through kind of the menial, menial conversation. And then they get back to it. And the woman says something. This is verse 25. The woman says, I know the Messiah is coming. The Messiah, right? The, the, the Savior of the world. So somebody's spoken to this woman before. Somebody's planted something in her before about truth. And now it's starting, now it's starting to give birth. And she says, it, she says, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. And Jesus, what a verse. Jesus says to her, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah and check it out. In, in verse 28, it says, and this is what's crazy, and this is what I never caught, you guys. I've read this scripture many times. Preparing for this today, I never caught the meaning behind this next verse. In verse 28, the woman left her water jar, so the, the water jar she brought to the well, hiked all the way there. She leaves it. She leaves it by the well. 
it says. And she runs back to the village telling everyone, question, what was the woman's goal when she went to the well? To get water. Her, her, we're in a series called Goals, by the way. Her goal was to get water. I'm grabbing my jar. I'm going to the well. And it's noontime. I'm not going to see anybody. No one's going to harass me. No one's going to call me any kind of a name or, or tell me where I, who I was with and what I was doing. I'm going to go. I'm going to go, you know, when no one else is there. And I'm going to go to the well. The very thing she comes for, she runs from. Why would she do that? Why would she leave the, 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 the jar at the well? Can I tell you why she did? The reason why she would leave the water, the reason why she didn't have to take the water with her is because she now had living water in her. See, Jesus not only met her needs, he exceeded her needs. Now, if Jesus can do that in her, what do you think that he wants to do in you? That's what he did. Jesus is moving in her life. The very thing she needs, she runs from because Jesus showed her something better. He always shows you something better. He loved this woman, and he cared for this woman. And check this out. Verse 39. You want to know the impact that the woman made then? When she ran back to her village where, where people knew her? Check this out. Many Samaritans from that village believed in Jesus because of what the woman said. That woman made disciples. She didn't wake up that day thinking, I'm going to go invite people to church. I'm going to go share my faith. She, didn't, she just wanted people to leave her alone. She didn't want to get called names. She didn't want to run into anybody. But an encounter with Jesus changed her life. And she was so changed by it, she ran back and changed a city. Intentional relationships. Jesus was intentional, and it leads to eternal results. A city was changed by that woman. I, I guarantee she never dreamt she would make that difference in the kingdom. Just like some of the things God wants to do in you and your life, I promise you, you step into God's goal, your life will change. Your life will change. How did Jesus do this? That's what I want to look at. How did Jesus get this woman so excited that she couldn't shut up about Jesus? How did he do it? It's really simple. It's really simple. When it comes to making disciples, you know what he did? He started a conversation. Start a conversation. This is it. People will talk to me all the time. How do I witness to people? How do I share my faith? How do I invite to church? You know what I would say? You don't. You don't. God just showed up. I mean, you don't. You don't have to, you can, you can invite. I'm not saying don't do that, don't hear me. I'm just saying you don't have to go there right away. Jesus, what did he say? Can I have, can, can I please have some water? Jesus just, just starts the conversation. She thought, okay, this guy's coming, I'm here. He'll just, he'll, she'll leave me alone, I'll leave him alone. I'll pick up the water and I'll go. And that doesn't happen. Jesus speaks to her. Can I please have some water? Now, if he wouldn't have said that, that town isn't saved, Okay. If he wouldn't have said, can I have some water, please? The city she's from, they're not saved. We think, well, God's will is going to get done. If, people want some, if God wants them saved, they're going to get saved. No, they're not. God's will is not done. That's why we live in the world we live. When we go about starting conversations, not because I need to get people to church or I need to save them. We can't save them, okay? Only Jesus can save them. But if you start a conversation out of love, just start a conversation. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example. This week... Um, I went out with a guy, and we had a, uh, we had a meeting at a restaurant. And the waitress comes up, and uh, you guys have all been to restaurants, right? A waiter, a waitress comes up. 99 times out of 100, it's just, hey, how can I help you? Is the food good? What can I get you to drink? Can I get you a refill? Uh, here's, the, here's the check. That's 99%. But, but all you have to do, you know what I did? I started with common ground. I noticed that she had tattoos all up one arm. 
And I said, oh my gosh. I said, where'd you get your tattoos at? That's all I said. All I did was start a conversation with a question. That's it. Something I knew she was interested in, tattoos. And I'm like, where'd you get your tattoos done? And she's just started, she started, well, I got this one here, and I don't like this one, and they did this one wrong. And she's going into all these details. Like, she sat there for 15 minutes. And she might have got fired that night, because I don't know who else she was helping, but like, whatever. So she's helping us. But she was excited to share her story. It was amazing. That's all I did. I said, where'd you get your tattoos at? And, and, but you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to add value. So I knew that she wasn't happy with some. She wanted to get one covered up. And I know a guy in the church has just got one, and it was really good detail. So I said, I know a guy who, who just got one at a place in Council Bluffs. And I said, if I get you the name, would you want that at that place? She goes, I would love that. And she was just flabbergasted. Like, why? You're ordering food. Why would you care about t- helping me find a, a tattoo artist? I said, I don't know. Why not? So I got the name, and I gave it to her. And she was just like, I, I could just tell she's like, okay. You're weird. I said, yeah, I get that a lot. So, uh, so, but I'm just, it's just adding value. We, you know where the conversation never went? It never, she doesn't know I'm a pastor. She doesn't know that Meadows Church, well, she might know about us, but that, it didn't come up that day. But I'll go back there, trust me. And I'll meet her again. And we'll continue the conversation, not because she's some project that I got to save and get to church, because I care about her. Because Jesus cares about her. I think at the end of the day, we got to ask ourselves, I mean, do we care about people? Jesus cared about the woman at the well. Jesus cared about the woman at the well. Now, are people difficult? Yes, my gosh. Are are people sometimes uh, morons? Yes, they are. My gosh, the more I deal with people, the more I realize why Noah only let animals on the boat, okay? (laughs) Just being honest with you. People are difficult. It's hard. But at the end of the day, Jesus died for them. And you know what? I can be pretty difficult too if I look in the mirror. And Jesus died for me and he died for you. And if we're truly going to love people, we got to cut through that. And people will say, well, people are mean to me. People are rude to me. You know what? Hurting people hurt people. And maybe if you get past yourself and you get to what they really matters to them, maybe no one's ever cared about them or had a conversation. How many waiters or waitresses, how, whoever asked them about their life? Probably hardly anybody. You would, you would be amazed. I was at Jake's, my son's wrestling practice last week. And all the dads sit there watching through the window. You know, they watch the kids wrestling and stuff. And... They're all either on their phone or just kind of hanging out. And, that, and I'm, guilty. I'm on my phone too sometimes, and I'm like, I thought about it. I thought about this message, and I said to the guy next to me, all I said was this. I said, hey, which one's your son? And he's like, oh, yeah, my kid's over there. And he, he talked to me for 10 minutes about his kid. All I did is I said, hey, which one's your son? That's all we did. I don't even know that, that father's name yet, but I will. I'll talk to him again. Not because he's a project that I got to win to Jesus, because he matters. And, and, and he was pretty excited talking about his kid. And I'm like, this is all it is. It's starting a conversation. But we, 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 you have dozens of opportunities every day to just speak into someone, whether it's at a school function, whether it's at your kids' activities, whether it's at the grocery store or the, or the restaurant or wherever it is, getting gas at the convenience store, just to start a conversation. You would be amazed. You would be amazed at what God will do in that. And the best way to start a conversation, I think I've already said this, is asking questions. Just ask a question. Hey, where'd you get your tattoo? Hey, how'd you hear about this? Hey, which one's your kid? That's all you do. Hey, can I, I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink? Just start a conversation. Start a conversation. I I know who we won't win to Christ is people we don't talk to. That's a guarantee. But if we do bring a conversation up, you would be amazed. People are dying. The woman at the well was dying on the inside. She didn't even know it. Jesus did. And he started a conversation. And that woman found life bubbling up in her. Start the conversation and then listen. Listen, 
We don't listen anymore. I'm speaking to me as much as I'm speaking to you. We're not taught to listen anymore. We're taught to talk, talk, talk. I got to share my story. I got to blog. I got to post. I got to tell you all about me and my... Listen. If you don't listen to the person, how will you know their goals? How will you know their dreams, their aspirations, their struggles, their hurts? You can't talk and listen at the same time. So listen to people. Truly listen to people. I wrote this down. I said, the best disciple makers aren't talkers, they're listeners. I'll say that again. The best disciple makers are not the talkers. They are the listeners. Pastoral, being in the pastoral role, 95% listening. Letting people talk. They're, they're dying to say what's going on in their life. And then trust the Holy Spirit to let you talk, but we talk too much. We need to listen more. But some of us were guilty. I call it ATM syndrome. Like, you know, automatic teller syndrome, which some of us parents, we know what that's like. We feel like an ATM a lot of days with our kids. But I'm not talking about that type. I'm talking about someone's talking to us and telling us a story, and we're so busy coming back with an automatic response, automatic teller machine. Well, yeah, 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 I hear about your kid, but wait till you hear about my kid, and wait till you hear about this, right? We're so quick to want to tell our story, and pretty soon we're thinking, oh my gosh, I can't wait till this person finishes their boring story so I can tell my exciting story, right? It's all about us, me, me, me. And I'm guilty of this too. It's like, it's like we're talking about ourselves and, and finally we say, you know what? Enough about me. Uh, let's, let's, let's hear about you. What do you think about me? You know, that, that's kind of our mindset. It's, it's always points back to us. But Jesus was all about other people. He listened so well. He listened to this woman when she talked about her life. He listened to this woman when she asked about worship. He listened to this woman when she shared her cares. He listened to her. I'll, I'll go back to where we started. For our church to truly reach people for Christ, if we're going to do that, it has to be more than just two or three of us really out loving, out loving people and caring for people. But that's when it comes to witnessing, when it comes to sharing your faith, when it comes to having conversations in the workplace. I had an incredible conversation last week at our event at the college. A woman who's a leader in the workplace is asking me, how do I do, like, what do I do? How do I, you know? And I'm like, you build a relationship. You build a relationship. If people know you care about them, they'll let you speak into their life. That's the bottom line. But you have to care. If it's a project, if it's something I'm just doing because I'm supposed to do this for sure, you got to care about people. Jesus cared about people. And what people are asking, I think, when you're talking to them or when you're caring for them, they're really asking a couple questions. Um, can I trust you? That's what they're asking. Can I trust you? And do you care? Do you really care about me? Anybody that has a business, anybody that speaks into people's lives, I tell people, if you own a business or you start a business, if you don't care about your customers, truly care about them and their, kill, their kids, their family, their sickness, you'll never have the business that you could have. If it's just about making money, Jesus cared about people. I want to get better about it myself, you guys. I'm with you in this. So, so God showed me some things this, um, over the past, well, since we planted this church and we're gathered together on a Sunday morning for church. You know what the word church means? It's actually, a, it comes from a Greek word. It comes from two Greek words. And uh, it doesn't mean gather together on Sunday. It doesn't even mean sing songs and praise God. It doesn't mean pray. It doesn't mean like um, open the Bible and read it. It doesn't mean any of those things. We do those things and that's part of church and it should be. But the, 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 ch the church, the literal world church means called out. That's what church means. Called out. Say go. 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 You don't have to wait till you got your life all together to go. You don't have to wait till you're all cleaned up to go. If you wait till that happens, we'll be waiting a long time. I'm telling you what, I got a long ways to go, but I want to go. 
I'm called out. And I think about Jesus. So I'll cast some vision with you right now about our church. We exist to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose. That is a long-term mission. I'll share with you a short-term goal to reach our long-term mission. Because I know that we have to have goals to get to the goal. Otherwise, we just kind of go through the motions. So me and a team got together and we said, how can we really get intentional about doing what we talk about every week? How can we lead people to Christ? Because I know that he's the game changer. He proved it with the woman. And I said, how about over the next six months, from now until Easter, which is April of 2019, we set a goal. And the goal is, um, right now we average about 160 people in worship, which is incredible for a church plant that's a year old. But how about we set a goal that we want to go from 160 to 250 in six months. We want to get to 250 people. That's, that's a number that's critical for a couple reasons. One, it, it, it puts us at capacity here, and then it helps us go to two services. Going to two services opens up more options for people to worship. Not just one service time, there's two service times. It also builds our culture of a church where we attend a service and we're on a dream team and we serve a service. So it gives that opportunity as well. So there's all kinds of things it does. So we set this goal and we went to our life groups and we shared it with our life group leaders and we cast a vision about it. And I thought about that. I thought, I like that because it's going to make us get intentional. We're going to have conversations. Hey, who are you talking to? Who are you, who are you building a relationship with? Not who are you inviting or who's your project. Who are you loving? Who are you caring for? That's what we want to know. We want to get intentional about the Father's business. And you can hear that goal and think, well, it sounds like it's all about numbers. And I would say it is. It is. And it always will be. Not just the numbers, but what the numbers represent. What the numbers represent. But you don't know where you're at unless you're, unless you're gauging it. So the numbers, what do they represent? We say that every number has a name. And every name has a story. And every story matters to God. So if you're here today and you have a name, raise your hand. If you've got a story, raise your other hand. If you know that you matter to God, put your hands together and give God some praise in this place because he's just getting started with you. I promise you, he's just getting started. He loves you. He died for you. And I'm telling you, his spirit is in this place and he brought you here today to speak life and give you living water. It's what he does. He, every number has a name. Every name has a story and every story matters to God. The number one goal of this church will always be unbelievers first and foremost. Always. Mark 2.17, Jesus spoke this. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I don't know about you, but there's days I don't feel well. I, I battled depression. This last week, I had a day where I'm like, I should not be battling depression like this. This is not right. I'm a pastor of a church. I wish I could stand up here and tell you that I have it all together. Jesus says, I haven't come for the healthy. I've come for the sick. Thank you, Father. I've not come, I've not come, I've not come for the righteous. I've come for the sinners. That would be me. I don't know where you're at in your journey, but I seem to screw up every day. I seem to, my life is not okay. Okay? I love that this is a church where it's okay to not be okay. Boy, if you walked in here and you got, your life is jacked up in some way, welcome home. Welcome home. Jesus says, welcome home. Two weeks ago, I was at Life Group. My Life Group meets on Tuesday night. And I, I shared the vision of what I just shared with you about getting to 250 people and getting to one to two services and reaching more people for Jesus. And, and the Life Group leader who, who, I'm not even the Life Group leader. They don't trust me with that. I get that. So another guy's the leader. And I'm sharing this vision. And he's like, 
he's, he's, his eyes are lighting up. He's like, oh my gosh, I love this. And he's like, the invite cards, where are the invite cards? I'm like, dude, they're on your chair every week. What are you, are you watching? So, but I said, they're out in the guest services and you can pick up as many as you want. And he said, he said, we're doing something next week at Life Group. And I said, what are we doing? He said, I'm not going to tell you. He said, we're doing something. I'm like, well, I'm scared. Uh, I might call in sick next week. But uh, I didn't. And the next week, which was last week, on Tuesday, we got together and our life group leader shows up and there's like seven or eight of us probably there and our life group leader shows up we're like all right what are we what are we doing new guy shows up i'm like you're in for a treat dude um i don't know what we're doing but it's going to be kind of scary and our life group leader pulls out 300 dollars, 15 20 bills and pulls out 15 um medals cards invite cards this is his own money he had no clue what he was doing grabbed a stapler i mean who walks around with a stapler that's what i wanted to ask him but he did so he he has a stapler and he starts stapling 20 dollars bills invite cards one after another 15 of them and we're just watching him I'm like okay and I'm kind of excited A because I know that we're going to do something cool and B it wasn't my money so I'm like yeah I'm just being honest so he's stapling these cards and he kind of divides us up into three groups and two here and three here and two here and he says we're going to go to Walmart and I'm going to give you five I'm going to give you five and I'm going to give you five and we're going to go to Walmart and we're going to we're going to bless people with, with some cash I thought about it as he said that and I thought I like this idea I'd never done it before he had I'd never done it before and the reason I like it you guys is because if he just would have said hey here's some invite cards and here's some invite cards and here's some invite cards now we're gonna go to Walmart and we're gonna go invite people to church honestly that would have made me I would have I would have not wanted to do that I'm just being honest with you do you know why because there's no relationship there there's no value there but when you attach 20 bucks to something all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh what you you must care about people because no one just walks around giving up 20 dollars bills at least i've never had that happen yet i mean i'm praying about it but so i'm like i thought to myself i'm gonna invite my wife jody i'm gonna invite my kids you know just just kidding um but i liked it but i was still uncomfortable I'm telling you, it's still uncomfortable. So we, we all drive to Walmart. Everybody went there. I thought, well, someone's probably just going to drive straight home. They're nervous. No, everybody showed up. We all get to Walmart, and the leader of our group says, all right, let me show you how to do it. And we're sitting there at Walmart, and the Burger King in Walmart, and there was a, a family sitting right there, a mom, a grandma, and then the mom's uh, little baby. And he grabs one of them, and he walks over there. We couldn't hear what he said. And uh, he handed it to them, and I saw their faces light up. And I'm like, oh, he makes that look pretty easy. And he's talking to them for like ever. I'm like, all right, been five minutes. And pretty soon he's like, Monty, come here. And he calls me over there. I'm like, hey, well, this is our pastor. And, and they want to know about uh, dedicating their child to the Lord. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're kidding me. So we start having conversations about we meet here. Here's our church talking about their baby and the baptism versus dedication and all those conversations. I'm like, this is crazy. This is the first conversation. And I'm like, wow. But it was still hard. It wasn't easy. We would have to start a conversation with somebody at Walmart that we did not know. Now, I know there's money attached to that, but that still takes a little bit of courage. So me and a gal, we're on a team, and we're like, all right, here we go. And I'm like, all right, we're going to walk around the perimeter, and we all have our spots. I'm sure security at Walmart's thinking, who are these freaks? You know? We got our hands in our pocket with the money. It's like, oh, boy. Security. Um, anyway, so we're walking around the perimeter of Walmart, me and this gal, and I'm just praying. And I pass people, and... You know, I could have given it to him or her. And I just, I'm just praying. I'm like, God, just show me. I don't know. I really don't know. Plus, I'm kind of scared, so I might be stalling. I don't know. But I'm just walking. And we walk around the entire Walmart and did nothing. I'm like, okay, we could be here a while. You know, this, 
Well, how much time you got? And, but I'm like, I don't, I'm like, God, am I just scared? Or am I just not, are you not showing me the right person? And as we're walking, I, I turned down this aisle just like this. And I look and I stop. And I didn't stop. I, something stopped me. And I turn back and there's a woman and a, and a, and a boy. And I knew right away. And I, I honestly, I wanted to keep walking. But, but if I don't start a conversation, I know where it won't lead. I'm like, all right, this is what we came to do. And I walk, and I'm walking up, and I'm walking up to this gal, and you kind of see her eyes, because I'm walking towards her, and I got my hand in my pocket. I would have done it differently, actually, if I would have done it again. It wasn't, because she's like kind of backing up. Her eyes are getting bigger. I thought she was going to reach in for her pepper spray. I'm like, oh, boy, this is not good. So I'm walking towards her, and she's like, she's like, what? And I said, we're just, and I reached in, I gave the $20. I said, you know, we're just a, a new church in town, and we're just wanting to bless you. And she had her phone in her hand, and, and I'm not kidding you. She backed up, threw her phone in her cart, and said, oh my gosh, how do you know? And I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean, how do we know? I don't know, how do we know what? And she's like, how do you know? I said, I, we're just here to bless you. And she goes, I, she goes, I was just talking to my friend about how I think I need Jesus. And then, you know, here's what she said after that. She goes, yesterday I was literally praying with my son about, about, about give it, God, show us a sign. See, she's been clean for days, literally, her and her boyfriend, struggling. Just like me, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like. And she's like, you don't know, I was praying. And I said, God, you need to show us a sign. This is what she said that week, show us a sign. And she said, here you are, a church handing cash, saying God loves you, God cares about you. And you might say, well, if it's, all, if it's, not about, if it's just about people, why not just give them the money? That would be like giving them, lip, giving them well water saying, there you go, there's your 20 bucks, good to know. We attach, attach an invite to it because today you're hearing about living water, aren't you? Why would you give somebody cash and say, you know what, I'll, I'll meet your need for a second, but how about I introduce you to somebody who can change your life? And she is, and we're talking, she sends her son down a little bit and then she gets real intimate and says, listen, you guys, I don't know what's going on, but I like what you're about and I want to come. And I said, we would love to have you. We would love to have you. Like, no strings attached, I don't care. If you don't like it when you come, I'll help you find another church. I don't care. And we, 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 as soon as she brought her son over, we huddled up and we prayed together. I mean, this is in Walmart. And this is our first person. I'm like, we're going to be here a while. But it, it, this is what happened. And we're praying together. And, and, and I can't get into every story, but I can tell you every person that we talked to in my group anyway, there wasn't anybody that turned it down. There wasn't anybody that said, oh my gosh, I can't. Everybody said, you know what? I can't believe what you're doing. And then they shared part of their story. Guess where I'm at? Guess who this is? Guess where I've been? Guess how I'm hurting? You wouldn't believe it. They're dying. People are walking around begging for water. They're begging for it. They won't say it to you. But once you start talking, they will show you, I need something, and I don't even know what it is. And Jesus says, I know exactly what it is, and I have it for you. And I, I was blown away by it. I mean, me and the gal I'm with, I'm like, we're just goosebumps. I'm like, I can't believe what God is doing here. But what if I wouldn't have went down that aisle? And, and you think the story ends there and like, this is amazing? It doesn't. Because that's Tuesday. Thursday, I'm preparing the closing of the message and I'm praying to God. No kidding. God, do you want me to share the life group story? Because that's an intimate story. And I didn't know if God wanted me to get up here and cast that vision or not. I didn't even know. And as I'm praying for that, an email comes through from a gal at, at a La Vista Middle School where I mentor kids. I mentor an eighth grader who doesn't have a dad. 
And the email is from the social worker who works at the school. And I met her, I introduced her, when I first started mentoring there, I met this gal. She emails me at this exact time. This is what her email says. She says, Monty, okay, this is a great story. She said, there are no coincidences. She said, I'm working with a parent who's telling me a story about a church who gave her money at Walmart. That's what she says. And this is what the woman said. Honestly, I told her I would guess who it was. And the woman at the school guessed it was Meadows Church. Out of all the churches in Omaha, she knew. Now I want that to be our reputation, that we're a church that loves people right where they're at and points them to a God that doesn't leave them there. That's what I want. I was floored. I'm like, how did you hear? Start a conversation and listen and love people. Most of those people I, we talked to that night probably won't come to this church, but that wasn't the goal. The goal was to love them. Love them. And if you do, if you do want more of the living water, well, this is where you'll find our church. I was blown away. So maybe you're new here today, okay? Maybe you're new or you haven't heard for a while the vision of this church. You're getting a good dose of it today. I'll just, I'll just close by telling you this is who we are as a church. I even wrote it down. Meadows Church, a church that believes in relationships and doing life together. Meadows Church is a church where the kids ministry and the children in this church, they're not an afterthought or a daycare, but they're our first and greatest priority. We're a church where I've already told you this, it's okay to not be okay. We are a church where you come as you are, but you don't stay that way. And Meadows Church is a church where we boldly declare that there's hope beyond the hurt, and that hope is found in a man named Jesus. That's what you're gonna hear at this church. He loves you. We're not called to maintain. We're called to multiply. We're called to go. I think people have a misconception about faith and sharing Jesus. Like people don't want it. People are dead. They're dying for it. They're walk, everybody's walking around with one of these, dying. And they, what they were looking for is water. But what they really need is Jesus. And we have the capacity to say, I love you. I care about you. Let me listen to your story. And when you do that in love, nothing is more attractive, church, than love. Nothing. And when you love people with love, you won't believe what doors God will open. I promise you. And for those of you today, maybe you're wondering, I'm like that woman at the well. I want water. I've been going to the same well over and over and over, and it doesn't seem to satisfy. I still feel dead. I still feel empty. I still feel broken. I'm still hurting. I'm here to tell you, God brought you here today to show you living water. You can commit your life to him, believe that Jesus Christ is God's son, that he died on a cross, that he rose from the dead, and he's coming back again. And when you believe that, the Bible says you go from death to life. In other words, you are saved, you are made new, and you start a brand new journey, not alone, but with a church and with Jesus. You can make that commitment through the prayer team, through a card, talk to me. I don't care how you do it. Just do it if that is you. That is why you're here. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That woman accepted it and she has living water in her and she's in heaven today. And you can be too. God's got so much for us, church. I'll invite the team up and I want to pray for you. Father, man, I, I, I just know that this is a room full of people that I'm going to be honest, we don't have our lives together, God. Here's what I'm learning, though. You already know that. You knew about the women in her reputation. You knew about the women in her five husbands and the guys she was living. You knew about it. But what I, what I didn't see is condemnation. 
What I didn't see in there was judging her in the moment. All I saw in your word today was love and acceptance and truth and care. It's all I saw. You kept drawing her in, literally living water. God, I pray for everybody in this place. I pray that today, this week, we will get about your business. And we'll, we'll, when we focus less on our goals and more on what you wrote down as your goal, it's amazing how our goals come into play and how they're filled out when we get about you making disciples. What does it mean? Starting a conversation. What does it mean? Listening. Not with an intent to respond, but with an intent to love, with an intent to care. God, for the people in this place that need to commit or recommit their lives to you, I pray they will not leave this place until that is a done deal. For others that need prayer for any part of their life, anything, I pray that after we worship your holy name, God, they will rush the stage to the prayer team and let us love them and walk with them and point them to you. And I just know one thing, God. In you, and we will boldly declare this until the day you call us home, in you, Father, the best is yet to come. If somebody believes it in this place today, I just need you one more time to give God a shout, give him praise. He's not done with you. He is not done with you. Hey, wherever you are, thanks so much for joining us today. We are so glad that you did. And if this blessed you in any way, man, we would love for you to subscribe to this channel, follow us on social media, and stay connected with us. And let me say most importantly, if you are ready to give your life to Christ or you want to make a decision for Jesus today, we would love it, man. Connect with us. Contact us at hello at meadows.church. Again, hello at meadows.church. Let us know what God is doing in your life. And know this, God loves you and the best is truly yet to come.